Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. Hello, Ivy Church. Hello, Ivy Church. Welcome to Ivy Church. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Are you ready for Christmas? We're in a series that's going to get us ready for Christmas as we're looking at all the blessings of Christmas. We're starting this new series because Christmas, yes, it's finally, nearly here. Are you counting down the days? Even though it's been in the shops a lot longer, we really haven't got too much longer until Christmas when we, as believers in Jesus Christ, celebrate the most important day in history, when God had his first birthday. And at such a time of great darkness right now in the world, what a difference it makes that the light of the world came, that he took on flesh, that he became an embryo, a tiny baby born in a very hostile, volatile place, which is still, even on the news today, the most contested piece of geography on earth. To think that the Prince of Heaven, the Bible says, though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor. Why? to set up and to establish his own kingdom. The kingdom, which he said, is not of this world. I don't know if ever the world seemed more like it needs God to come closer. No wonder many people, as they look at the Bible and the news and the news and the Bible, were wondering, is Jesus' return going to be soon? Well, one thing I know is that, as the Bible says, it's sooner now than when we first believed. Even though Jesus himself said we won't be able to predict it accurately. Whatever anybody might tell you, this is that sign or that is that sign or what this means. You know what? Jesus said that's not our job to try and guess dates for when he might come. Our job is to be ready. To be ready today because he will come again to judge the living and the dead. And when he does, it will be unmistakable. It won't be in hiddenness like the first time he came. Every eye will see him and we've got to be ready. The season of Advent is actually getting ready for his return, not just for Christmas. But when you look at that first Christmas, you see nobody really was ready, even though they might have said that they were waiting. They had so much in the Bible, the Old Testament. They had prophecies predicting when and where and how he'd come. But when it happened, it was still a surprise. Nobody had got it all figured out except God himself who Galatians 4, 4 says this, at just the right time, he sent forth his son to be born of a woman to rescue and redeem us. Now that happened at just the right time. God decided that was over 2,000 years ago. That was the right time for God to come into the mess as the Messiah, fully human and fully God. Just the right time, literally the fullness of time. Well, you might say, according to whom? Do you know, by the way, that your idea of when God should do something in his might be very different? Are you okay with that? Have you figured that out yet? One of the best ways to find that out is by prayer. Because God always answers prayer. He really does. But sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says wait. But he will always answer. He'll always answer prayer. Often those waiting times, for me, can be harder than the no times. But I've also discovered that 
that is when we grow in faith, when we trust, we grow in perseverance, when my plan and his plan seem to be clashing, but actually we're just running on different timetables and he's not in a hurry. So often I look back on what I thought was a no and now realise it wasn't a no, it was just a wait. Do you know what I mean? You know, the, the truth of scripture, you read through the whole of it, it tells us that God is always good and he's always working all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. But it's his purpose that prevails. It's not my plans and it's not according to my timing. So, as we've said, God came to earth, Jesus was born at just the right time according to him. According to God who is sovereign over all things, who declares the end from the beginning, who knows how things will happen before they ever happen. He knows how many hairs are on your head right now. He knows if a sparrow, Jesus says, falls to the ground, he already knows that too, because it won't happen without his knowledge. In other words, nothing, nothing at all, takes God by surprise. He works out all things according to his own good pleasure. But when we look at the various characters in the Gospels, we look even at the Christmas stories, we see that Jesus' coming was a surprise to them wasn't it? Even though, as I said, it could have been predicted. Every one of them was taken by surprise and then they had a choice about how they would respond to what God was doing. They were not ready. It rocked their world. But what may have seemed like it was going to wreck everything was actually God putting everything right in ways that they could not possibly comprehend or fully understand at that time. And that's what faith looked like for them. To trust him without necessarily understanding everything. To trust him that what seemed like a curse was actually a blessing. And that was certainly true for Joseph. When you look at his circumstances, but look at what God was doing through them. You know who Joseph is. There's no nativity scene complete without Joseph. You know, false beard, towel on the head, maybe a hammer and a saw from the costume cupboard to make it even more accurate. Joseph, the husband of Mary and the foster father of Jesus. That's the best way to describe his relationship, really, because Mary was the birth mother, but Joseph, son of Jacob, whose genealogy is listed by Matthew just before, we're going to read his part of the story in a moment, was, of course, not the actual birth father. So many people who foster, so many people who adopt, are really doing a wonderful, very godly thing to open their hearts and their lives to another person. What a blessing to open up their family. It's very godlike because that's what he does with all of us. He brings us into his family. And God has always known what it is to be a father because God is three in one. He's always lived as the everlasting father, the eternal son and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. But did you notice it said in that passage I referred to earlier, Galatians chapter 4 verse 4, he said he sent, he sent forth his son at just the right time to save us. So that means the father sent forth his only begotten son, Christ, so that we could join his forever family. We could be adopted children. We could come and know him as our father in heaven too. Let me repeat that. This is what Christmas looked like, looking down from God's perspective. The father sent down to earth his only begotten son from heaven, Christ, who 
they were told to give the name Jesus because that's a clue for who he is and what he does. Jesus means God to the rescue. So the eternal father looks down at the earth and its brokenness and its mess and he sent his eternal son into time conceived by the Holy Spirit at just the right time to be fully God, born of the Virgin Mary, so as to be fully human as well. Why? So that we could join his forever family. We could become adopted children and know him as father too. God did not become a father at Bethlehem. He was always God the father. But Joseph did. He became the adopting father or the foster father who would raise the son. The son of whom? The son of God. According to God's purpose. But it was not according to Joseph's plan. Joseph, I'm sure, had all kinds of plans for his life. And Joseph certainly did not plan for his life to work out the way that he did. He had many other plans and ideas for his life, same as you and me. He had his own dreams mapped out for the future. He was going to marry the girl of his dreams. And one day they'd live in the house of his dreams, in his dream town, doing his dream job. No, no, matter, no, no, no doubt he had dreams for his carpentry business, but as a prayerful and holy man, no doubt he prayed, God, bless my dreams. Do you ever do that? Just, here's my dream, God. Your job, I want you to bless my dream. But then we read here in Joseph's story that he had actual dreams. That God kept speaking to him, sending angels with messages about his dream. About how he wanted Joseph to drop his dreams to make God's bigger dream happen. And to follow God's bigger dream for his life that he was invited to be part of. Now what would you do? I had a dream in the police. It was stay in the police. I loved being a police officer and I wanted him to bless my dream. I even told him so one day in prayer, God I've got a plan, here's what I want you to do, bless it. But then that same day I had an encounter with God years ago. He came and he showed up just after I was praying and he spoke to me and he said I've got a different dream. He didn't tell me everything about how it would happen and roll it all out and give me all the timetable but I knew I had to lose my little dream to get God's big dream and I'm so glad that I did. Great swap. You see here's what happens, we fear, we back away because we, we think we might be losing something and yeah we might lose, we might lose a lot but that's like complaining that the winning lottery ticket cost me a quid. Not, by the way, that I think you should play the lottery. I believe that lottery like that is investing in the enemy's camp. Gambling is a form of idolatry where you replace the true God and you put your hope in the false God of luck. And that God will always let you down in the end. Anyway, side issue. What I want to say is, I had my own dreams and in ministry that continued for many years living in the south being back in Manchester was not one of my dreams but then I had a dream I came up to Manchester where an angel came and told me this was it we had to leave Surrey and friends and move and don't go thinking that's easy on a family after eight years being with people that you love but again God had a bigger dream and I had to let go of my own to walk in his now Joseph had to do that, didn't he? Matthew tells us what happened. And remember, as I read this, this is not just a nativity story for the kids, it's history. These are not just plastic nativity characters or something in a, in a set. They're real people making tough decisions in the middle of storms of doubt and uncertainty and chaos all around them in the world, having to learn what it is to trust God. 
Matthew 1, beginning at verse 18, says, This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, we read this story and we see that there's a choice in the dream. It says an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And I, I mean a dream, not even like fully for real in person like the angel did for Mary. Remember, this was a dream. You've had dreams, I have dreams. Joseph has a dream. The dream, he's told what to do. Marry Mary, the girl of his dreams. But he already had that dream. The one that he was solemnly pledged to marry, the one that he kept pure himself pure for he was thinking we'll stay in Galilee we'll make babies we'll make furniture that's my dream but of course now it seems to have become a nightmare because it looks like something terrible has happened from how he sees it notice that from his own perspective he needs God's perspective he needs some revelation about what God's doing it looks like the worst thing in the world is happening have you ever had that from where he's looking with his understanding this is now terrible. When he goes to bed that night, it probably took him a long while to get to sleep. Now, the thing is, we only get our own understanding on so, so often, and we can make decisions or make plans according to our own understanding. And we end up not understanding, we end up with misunderstandings. But was it actually the worst thing that ever happened? <laughs> not at all. Wasn't this actually the best thing that had ever happened in the whole history of the world up until then since it got started yes that's what was going on and joseph is being invited into god's way bigger way better dream but joseph doesn't see that does he and then all he gets rather than all the answers that i'm sure he wants because you know what will people say and how will we survive and what will my mum and dad think and do I really have to get a donkey or is that not really in the Bible? You know, he's got all these different questions that we can have about all kinds of things, especially when we don't understand. And he's hardly got any answers. He's just got a dream. He's got the offer. God's dream versus your dream. Will you trust God and lose your own dream? Will you say yes to God's dream instead of your own. God's purpose instead of your own plans. Will you do that whatever it costs? Not knowing all the answers up front. Because he doesn't get told all the answers of how this is going to work out, does he? It, no, you might think, well, how can I work this out? Actually, he just gets enough. Listen to the bigger dream. He gets just enough to know what to do. Look again at what he's told. It says, Joseph, son of David. That means this is personal. 
It's personal. God knows exactly who you are. Just before this, the whole of Joseph's ancestry has been laid out, if you read it in the scripture here. You might think, why does it matter to have his story, his genealogy, if he's not the father according to the flesh anyway? Well, here's why it matters. It matters that Joseph is the son of David, because the prophecies written centuries before say clearly the Messiah must be born in the town of David. So Joseph is going to be the passport to the place for that prophecy to be fulfilled. It couldn't be anybody else. God's dream for you and me is not random, it's not chance either. He takes everything in your history, everything in your ancestry, everything in your present circumstances into account while he's designing a destiny for your future. Then he's told, do not be afraid, don't be afraid to take Mary home for your wife. Why was he told that? Because he was afraid. But God's plan is perfect as well as personal. He needs to know, you don't have to be afraid of God's dream, even if it seems like it's all spinning out of control. The best thing you can do with your life is what he tells you to do. Whatever anybody else might say or think about it, his plan is personal to you and it's perfect for you. Ecclesiastes says he makes all things perfect, beautiful in his time. So don't ever be afraid to do what he says. In fact, be afraid not to. Be afraid that fear would stop you missing it. Missing out on what God wants to do through you. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Notice, the work is in progress. It's already underway. God has already got the plan underway. The holy bun is in the holy oven. God's plan didn't start with you and me, but he wants us to get on board. God's plan is personal to you. It's going to be perfect in his timing, so don't be afraid. And it's already in progress. God is already he's working his purposes out in the world right now, according to his own counsel, his own calendar. God's spirit is working here in Manchester, in this supernatural community called Ivy. And he will do what he says he will do. He will actually do it with you or without you and me. He wants it to be with us because he is, after all, as we read on, God with us. It says, all of this took place to fulfil what the Lord had said through the prophets. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God's plan is personal. He knows your name. He's calling you specifically today. God's plan is perfect. He's got it all worked out. Even though we may not yet be able to figure it all out. That's not what counts. God's plan is progressing. It's in progress. No matter what the news or anybody else says, he's sovereign. Nothing is going to stop his dream, the big dream, to save the world through the son that he sent to save his people from their sins. Even today, more people than ever all around the world said yes to Jesus today than on any other day in history. And finally, God's plan comes with his presence and that's the blessing I want us to focus on as we wrap up. That's perhaps the greatest blessing of all. Christmas tells us he doesn't want to just drop off some directions so that you can go off and try and figure out how you can fulfill your own dreams better. No. Christ came down, he was sent forth from his father in heaven to be known on the earth as Jesus, the son of Joseph, the carpenter. So we would always have God with us every step of the way, every up and every down, every mountain, every valley. Not just at Christmas, but forever, into eternity, God with us. 
And by the way, next week, next Sunday, we're not meeting here as normal because we're going to be bringing the presence of God out there. And when I say we, you, you are going to bring the blessing of God's presence where he's put you because we're the carriers of his presence now. So we're going to have the nativity, we're going to have the grotto here in Didsbury for people from around here. So people coming to meet Santa actually get the opportunity, they may even meet the saviour. Coming to meet Santa, find the saviour. See what I did there? And, and at Cheadle Hume, we want you to go out there together, prayed up and ready as a supernatural community, carrying God's presence together with lots of others coming together and prayer walking on the streets, putting out flyers, inviting people, pray for conversations with people, to invite them to come to our Christmas Eve Christingle. Cheadle Hume carols Christingle there at Ladybridge. And if you can't do either of those, maybe you could organise some outdoor carols on your street or an open house or, or get out there and, and prayer walk where you are, getting ready to chat with people God happens to put in your path. Because as Joseph found out here, nothing just happens in a salvation story. The Lord is working his purposes out. Isn't it amazing that God would choose someone so ordinary to do something so amazing of such cosmic importance that he would trust them, that he would involve them so deeply in his plans and entrust the presence of his son, the saviour, to them. I'm not talking about Joseph now. I'm talking about you and me because that's what he wants to do through us this Christmas so that it really is good news for everybody and they come to know his love too. God is at work in my life and in yours. Like he was in Joseph's, he's, in, he's at work in the lives of your friends and family and, and colleagues and people you know and love too, and your neighbours. And The best presence you can share with him is his presence, to have God with them, whatever they're going through. How can anybody know his presence? How can we fulfil his plans and purpose? Like Joseph, just like Joseph. We have to believe God's word even if we don't understand it, and do it. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Maybe you feel frightened of the future. What did the angel say? Do not be afraid. But give up your own small dreams today. Tell the Lord, he's present right there with you now as we pray. Just pray and talk to him and tell him what's on your heart. Say, Lord, I'm laying down my own life. I'm sorry for the wrong decisions I've made and my own sinful, rebellious pride that had me making plans that were just about me. I don't want that anymore. I'm going to lay down the self-centred small dreams for my own comfortable small plans. Please help me get over my fears as you show me your big dream for how you really can use me in this world for the glory of your Son, Jesus Christ, who came to save me and the whole world at such great cost. So, Lord, whatever it may seem to cost me, I know it will be to my gain in the end. And, and just tell him that you're willing to give up your own dreams today and to play whatever part you want him to use you for in his big dream. And Lord, I thank you that you really are with us now as we work this out, as we walk this out, one step at a time. In Jesus' name, Amen.